0: Well, you can have a seat, and good morning. Uh, my name is Jacob Smith. I'm the college pastor here at Grace Anderson. And, man, I just want to welcome you to Grace. Man, I mean, I know some of us are coming back from a, a time abroad, right? We've, we've been back home. We've been in Dallas or Houston. or that's, I think that's everywhere we live, right? And so uh, others of us maybe went on trips. Some of us maybe had an uh, internship thing. I don't know. Like, we're, we've been all around. And so welcome back. I mean, I know some others of us, we're here maybe for the first time or the second time. We're, we're still very new here, in which case, welcome. We're glad that you're here. we I mean, we're, we're excited to start this brand new year, uh, and we're excited to start next week a brand new series where we are walking through the book of Proverbs, and we are looking at the wisdom that God has given us in His Scripture, the, the best way to navigate life. I mean, it's found in in Scripture. And what we find through it is that it's not just the best way to live this life, but man, it's, it's ultimately what's best for bringing God glory. And so, man, that's something that we're starting next week. But this week, uh, we're actually starting uh, by kind of looking back. Uh, I know it's January 2020. Okay, yeah, okay, a few of us <laughs> are hanging in there. Uh, but I also know that, you know, so Christmas is over, right? For a lot of us, uh, maybe we had Christmases that were awesome. And some of us had Christmases that were like, it's that it can be done, right? And, and I get that. Uh, but the reality is that, I mean, it, it is over. For better or worse, it is over. 2019 Christmas is complete. Uh, and... The, the truth is that a lot of times what we do is we kind of take the Christmas season and we kind of, we put it up in that box and we tape it shut and we put it back in the attic, right? That's what I did. Uh, and a lot of times we just kind of move on to the next semester without really thinking about the impact of the birth of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, really, as I was preparing over the last few weeks, I, I couldn't get over, I couldn't really get past Luke chapter 2. And so this morning we're actually going to be looking in Luke chapter 2 at the story of where the shepherds first found, the very first people to be told about the birth of Jesus Christ. I mean, we're looking at what happened with those individuals because I think many times we recognize that in life uh, we have the opportunity to respond to news uh, in a correct or an incorrect way, right? When we hear something that's really good, that's really exciting, uh, something that's very monumental, right? There are correct and incorrect responses to that news, uh, especially the births of children, right? It can create a lot of different reactions from us. One of which, or both of which, are seen uh, right here in this little clip. Okay, are y'all ready? Are you yes. Ready? No, there won't be any tears, okay? Okay. You're going to have a baby sister. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jackson! Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Hey, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't want what? You don't want what? I don't, I don't want a teacher. Oh, you don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> there are correct and incorrect responses, right? That's the truth. And the reality is that, I mean, over the Christmas break, again, some of us had really high highs and some of us might have had really low lows. So over the Christmas break, I know that, you know, some of us were maybe reminded of details and, and and responsibilities and financial issues and, and people and relationships and, and that were, that are hard. And so we return with maybe distraction, or we return with frustration, or we return with worry. Uh, for others of us, maybe we were reminded of deep loss, right? Holidays are difficult if you're walking through the mourning process. And, and so I know that maybe uh, we were reminded of, of the people that are out of our lives now. And, and, and so it can lead us to return back to the new year, back to the kind of day-to-day responsibilities with with anger or or maybe even guilt or or bitterness. I know that all of us, though, were reminded of Jesus Christ. Whether or not our family was all in on that or not, it's kind of hard to escape in America uh, that there is this significance to the Christmas season about the birth of Jesus Christ and the fact that he came out of heaven and onto earth into this world to save us from our sin and from death. So how should we return to our day-to-day, to to our regular lives, right? How do we return to our regular responsibilities with this incredible truth, in light of this incredible truth that God came near to save us from eternal destruction? This is what we see play out in Luke chapter 2. We see this incredible example of how to respond correctly, of how to not just respond in the moment, but then return to -to day-to-day life with this incredible good news that Jesus Christ Christ came, lived, died, rose. And we're, we're seeing the response from the very first people to have ever, ever heard it. All right, so if you have a Bible, if you want to go there on your phone, we're starting in Luke chapter two and we're looking in verse eight. And hey, can you guys, can booth, can you guys switch my uh, the monitor? And we are seeing in verse, uh, sorry, chapter two, verse eight, uh, that there were shepherds nearby living out in the field. Sorry, there we go. Keeping guard over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were absolutely terrified. Literally, the Greek term right here is they, were, they feared a great fear. Uh, it's, this inc- it's just this abject terror, is some translations. It just uh, They were terrified. Uh, and it's because, right, when you look up in the sky, generally you don't see angelic beings, right? If you do, we should talk, because that's that's dope, right? We, I would love to hear about that. Uh, but generally speaking, when I look about the sky, I don't see an angelic being shining in this splendor and in this glory, let alone one who is then going to talk to me and give me a message. But sure enough, that's what we see play out right here. Uh, in verse uh, 10, the angel turns to them, or says to them, do not be afraid, but listen carefully, for I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy to all the people. He says, I'm going to bring you this incredible news, this incredible proclamation, this brand new revelation. Here it is. Today your Savior is born in the city of David, and he is Christ the Lord. He is the Christos. He is the anointed one. He is the chosen one. And they, as soon as they hear that turn, they know who he's talking about. They know that he's talking about this Savior. He knows, they know he's talking about this, this, this prophesied figure who would come and deliver them out of the, the, the terrible destruction that their sin had brought to their lives. Or they didn't know exactly how that was going to play out, but they knew that deliverance was here, that redemption had arrived, that salvation was at hand. And so the angel tells them, look, this is is the sign for you. This is how you can know it to be true. This is how you can witness it. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly a vast heavenly army appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace amongst people with whom he is pleased. Man, this is an incredible moment. And it's happening in just this podunk field outside Bethlehem. And this is an incredibly significant choice by the Lord. This this moment is orchestrated very intentionally, and there's a lot of facets to it, but I'll tell you one of them is that God is giving this incredible, world-shaking news to the most ordinary, blue-collar, Job, Schmo, but they're Jewish, Joseph, Shmoshef, right? And they're He's delivering the most incredible news to these ordinary guys. And it is this incredible reflection of the principle that we find all throughout Scripture. That God loves, He absolutely loves to provide ordinary people with extraordinary purpose. I mean, this is something that I hope you can carry with you into this semester recognizing that, yeah, maybe it's kind of same old, same old. It's the same roommates. Maybe it's the same major, maybe, right? It's the same job or it's maybe even some of the same classmates. Yeah, but, but there's no such thing as just an ordinary semester. There's no such thing as just a normal week. Because God has put you in this place for a reason. He's brought you to this room to hear his word for a reason. He sat you next to the people he sat you next to. He's had you already meet some of the people you've already met. He's had you, You've had the interactions that you've had because God has an intentional plan. Every single moment of every single day carries within it divine, eternal potential. That's what we're carrying into this new year. It's not just, you know, 2020 is not just about new year, new me. I'm going to work out every day at the rec because I'm paying for it, right? Like that's not... What it's all about. I mean, that could be part of what it's about, but that's not the entirety of it. We are walking into a semester that is full of divine, eternal potential. God is putting you in the classes He's putting you He's putting you in the workplace where He's putting you. He's putting you next to the people He's putting you next to. Because He wants you to make your life count for eternity. Because He wants to use ordinary people like you and me for extraordinary purposes. And these shepherds, I mean, they're a reflection of that principle. They're also a reflection of the principle that that God has now sent, not not just a Savior who's going to ride in and like do his thing. He's like, follow me if you want, I guess. But he's sending in this incredible Savior who cares deeply about the people that he's coming to save. And that's a big distinction. He's not just a hero to be heroic. He's a hero because he desperately loves the people who are suffering. Jesus Christ came, lived, died, rose because of love. Not because he was proving something about himself or to the world around us, but because he desperately loves us. This is what he reflected when he, when he talked about being the good shepherd, right? God's appearing and giving this news to ordinary shepherds because Jesus himself talked about himself as a shepherd. He tells his followers in John chapter 10 that I am the good shepherd, that the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Right? He's, he's giving them this, this truth that, look, I'm here. Because I'm gonna sacri- I'm gonna lay down my life for your sake. Right? He, he alludes to this and says it explicitly repeatedly throughout his ministry to his followers. They never quite get it. But he tells them over and over and over again look, I'm gonna lay down my life, I'm gonna die so that you can live. I'm gonna give up everything for your sake. Why? Because you're like sheep. And these the people in that time knew, the shepherds in that field knew, we maybe ag majors know that sheep are the worst. Sheep have no natural defense mechanism. Sheep have no sense of direction. Sheep are the most defenseless, hopeless creatures in all of this earth. And and so Jesus says, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to be your shepherd, because I know that you need help. You are just like sheep, whether it's you see them running out in the field, or maybe you just see it reflected in your daughter when you try to go shopping. Not my daughter, but someone's daughter right here. Hopeless. Precious, but hopeless, right? Like, that's, that's the truth. And that's the beauty of our gospel, right? That's what makes the good news of Jesus Christ so good. That's what sets Christianity apart from any other religion in this world, because we are not people who are saved by our own ability. Not even partially, right? It's not even like we have to, like, make it halfway across the bridge, and then God, like, meets us there, like, in the middle. Like, it's not like we, like, do certain things, or perform certain rituals, or walk through certain steps, or, or, you know, say certain prayers for a certain number of days over a certain amount of time, so that somehow now God will approve of us a little bit more, or somehow we can earn favor in his sight. That's not it. Christianity is built entirely, exclusively, completely on grace. We were dead, dead, lifeless, still, hopeless, defenseless when Jesus Christ came and died for us. Dead in our trespasses, deep in our sin. In open rebellion against the God who loves us, the God who made us. We, we reject him completely. And yet in the midst of that rejection, in the midst of that rebellion, Jesus Christ came and took on that sin and paid the penalty. He died the death that we deserved. And that's what makes it so incredible that when he rose three days later, that he would say, anyone who calls on my name can be saved. Right? You don't have to now prove yourself. You don't have to walk through the same things. You don't have to like go through the same processes. You don't have to go through these certain rituals. He says, you can just call me. You, you trust in me. You call on my name and there's no condemnation for you. Suddenly you can now be justified, made right in the eyes of God by faith alone, not through grace or not by works so that none of us can boast. It's a shift in our heart. I mean, that is incredible. That is good news. That's what the shepherds, We're beginning to catch a glimpse of right here in this moment. And so how do they respond? How do they respond to this incredible truth that God has brought a way to deliver us out of sin and death? How do they respond to the truth that God has made a way when they had no way for them to know him completely for all of eternity? Well, they respond with four kind of key pieces that we're just going to walk through and then we'll be done. They respond initially with a movement. They take this knowledge and they put it into action. And as they move, they carry with them a message. And that message contains both wonder and worship. And this is what we see play out in Luke chapter 2. So we see them immediately move in verse 15. right? They've just been told this incredible news. And so in verse 15, the angels left them and went back to heaven. And so the shepherds said to one another, well, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's taken place that the Lord has made known to us. They're like, oh, hey, that sounds crazy let's go, right? Let's, 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 let's move. Let's, let's go and see this thing that has taken place. And so they hurried off and they located Mary and Joseph and they found the baby lying in the manger. This is incredible, right? They, they, they move, they go to this, this event that they were just told has taken place. And they're not going there to verify the facts, right? There's, this isn't them like looking up on Snopes, like, is there really a baby? No, right? That's not what it is. This isn't a fact-checking mission. This is a movement inspired by the sense that their priorities have completely shifted. This is a movement that's inspired by the fact that they now realize, wow, this moment is incredibly important. This event is history in the making. Right? They want to see history unfold. And this is true of really all of us, even to this day. Right? We, just as people, we will naturally move immediately to whatever is most important. Right? That's just how we function. When we know something big is going down, we we gravitate towards it. Right? We gravitate towards that person or towards that relationship or towards that job thing or towards that responsibility. Right? We check our email over and over and over. We push refresh, refresh, refresh when we're waiting for that job offer. Right? We want to move immediately towards whatever we consider to be most important. This is something that I saw play out here in our town uh, a number of years ago, back in 2012. Right? Eight years ago now, right, when some of you were just being born, right, like there was this incredible, incredible moment that took place in Brian College Station. It just, it was, it was world-changing news. We found out that we were going to destroy the Plaza Hotel, uh, which none of you know what that is because it was destroyed, spoiler alert, uh, and... It was destroyed because it was this terrible, just like decrepit, broken down, like haunted hotel that was right on the intersection of Texas Avenue and University Drive. Okay, so where there's now like that big, like cool apartment thing. There's like Minuti Coffee and like World of Beer and like all that stuff like right there. There's like a cupcake place or something. Like that thing. That was, in fact, the location of the Plaza Hotel, the University Plaza Hotel. And like I said, it was so gross. And everyone just wanted it to die. And we got news that it would, in fact, be done away with, destroyed with just explosions, right? Which is the best way to destroy a building, I guess. And so they made it public knowledge that not only would it be destroyed, but there was, you could actually go and watch. They would allow you to stand in certain designated areas and watch. And so my wife and I were like, well, yeah, I mean, of course we're doing that. And so on Thursday morning, Back in 2012, on a Thursday morning, we woke up at like 5 a.m. Because we had to get out to this place by about 5.30. And we just, we get up, we hop in the car, we're driving, and we're thinking, this is going to be hilarious. It'll probably be us and like four other people who all just hate hotels. And like, we'll just watch it explode. But I'll tell you, it was un. Believable. When we were driving there, we were driving like north on Texas, and we literally had to stop our car like before Best Buy because we were driving into what I can really only describe as like post apocalyptic college station because there were just like cars. Everywhere, just abandoned on the sides of the road. And there were people just like wandering, like just slowly, you know, they've got like equipment and like their kids and a cow on their shoulders, just like slowly moving with these haunted looks in their eyes towards the polo fields across the university from that intersection. There are people gathered all like standing in the parking lot like Denny's and Best Buy and they're out in the field and they're all just gathered and watching this hotel, waiting expectantly for its tremendous destruction. And I'll tell you, at about 6 a.m., our prayers were answered. And someone recorded it. But more than that, someone recorded it and then put it on top of a phenomenal soundtrack that we can all enjoy right now. good riddance right oh takes me back takes me back it was an incredible moment and there were a lot of people literally thousands of people were just standing around like yeah all right cool and then when it ended we were all just like bye right and we just went about our daily lives why because man we knew this is history in the making. This is what is most important absolutely on this Thursday morning. And so we went. Immediately we went. We had to witness. And the shepherds in this moment they've been told this incredible news that this baby's been born that this that this de- deliverer has a- arrived and they go. And I've got to ask us I mean what are we moving towards this semester? Because, you know, it's one thing to maybe exercise the, the thought, and which is good, right? To ask yourself the intellectual question of, like, what do I think is most important this semester? Uh, but I think it's another thing to just look at your calendar. Look at your, your planner. Look at, well, what are you doing? What are you doing this week? What are you moving towards? Or what do you have set up? Hangouts with these people, like a kickoff thing for that organization. Like these, these classes or those classes or no classes because it's a this week. So, like, whatever. You know, like, I don't know. What are you moving towards this semester? And those things are good, right? It's good to be involved. It's good to have friends. It's good to to do your work in school, right? Those are good, good things. But like Rob shared just a little bit ago, has that become the only thing we're moving towards? Or are we, in fact, looking at the semester, looking at this week, looking at today, or even tomorrow, and just asking ourselves, am I moving towards the Lord at all? Is that a priority in my life? Do I, am, I, am I holding on to that incredible truth that Jesus Christ came, lived, died, rose? Is that something that is so important in my mind that I can't help but move towards him? Because, man, I, I know for me it's so easy to be like Martha, like Rob shared, where, where I just I get busy and, and other things just start climbing up the priority ladder. And, and before I even realize it, the Lord has just kind of dropped off. Being quiet and still before him is just no longer a part of my day-to-day routine. Because, man, if this is most important, gosh, it, it should move us. We should be like the shepherds and, and just move. One thing that might help in that, I, I love, technically this is a, an Advent study. Um, that you, you, know, you would read in December leading up to Christmas. But man, I think it's great year-round. It's called The, the Dawning of Indestructible Joy. It's by John Piper, a pastor up north. And, and he uh, put together, it's, it's free. It's something you can just like, download for free on his website. And it's just it's an incredible, I think, reminder of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. That's what it's all about. So maybe it's something like that. Maybe something as simple as like, I'm just going to you know, look up this study. I'm going to kind of read through some scripture every day or every other day. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's something as simple as that. Maybe it's, hey, I'm gonna, I am want to just talk with one of my friends, and, and we wanna, we're going to hold each other accountable to just like, pray for each other, like in the mornings or in the evenings or whatever. And I don't know what it is. There's a lot of ways that we can move towards the Lord, but, but I would encourage you to, to think about it, right? to make a plan, to have some sort of goal. Because the shepherds, man, they, they responded with this movement and they returned with this incredible message, right? As they were moving, they just couldn't stop speaking and talking, right? This is what we see in verse 17. That when they saw him, when they saw the child, they related everything, what they had been told about this child, right? They probably first start, they're telling Mary and Joseph, Did you know that this kid? and they're like, yes, okay, yeah, right? Mary's like, space, please, I gave birth, right? Like, they, they need some time. But then they tell everyone. We, we see in the following verses, they start just telling everybody that they can find about this incredible news, about this, this, this child, about this, this Savior, right? The gospel dramatically changed their conversations. Why? Because of the very simple truth that we all kind of know. That ultimately, we're going to talk about whatever we think about, right? We're going to talk about what we care about. We're going to talk about what we think the most about. If it's occupying our mind, it's occupying our heart, I mean, that's what's going to come out of our mouths. It's what we're going to speak about. Our conversations are going to be influenced by the priorities that we have in our lives. And so sharing the gospel for the shepherds, sharing this news about Jesus Christ, it was just an overflow of their personal excitement. And so what's flowing out of us as we step into the new year, right? What's kind of our overflow, Uh, I I know for my daughter, so my wife and I, we have three kids, uh, a girl and two boys. They're now five and almost three and almost one. And our five-year-old daughter, is; uh, she just turned five over the break. And she had her birthday party over the break. And what was so incredible was that at her birthday party, um, things started off like pretty normal, right? Five-year-old birthday party, get like four friends over. You're like doing some arts and crafts, right? We were cutting out snowflakes because we had, you know, it was kind of like Frozen-themed because we had just seen Frozen 2. And so everyone's like, oh, into the unknown. We're just kind of like having a, having a blast. But then, lo and behold, Complete surprise to my daughter and her friends. We actually had two extra guests show up. It was, in fact, Anna and Elsa in the flesh. Which I should probably tell some of you that don't know. Not only was this amazing that they should have had her birthday party, but Anna and Elsa actually go to Anderson College (laughs) right now. Elsa is sitting on the back counter Right there. Yeah, she's hiding her head. <laughs> because she doesn't want a repeat of the birthday party. I'll tell you why. Because as soon as they showed up. Now, first of all, it was amazing. Right? Everyone just like, lost their minds. They, they, mostly in just shock. My daughter Charlotte, my son Lawrence, who was like hanging out, who also knows what's up. Like All of the kids and all their friends, they just like, were like, uh, what? And then immediately, it took about like a minute. And then immediately they're over it and they shift into question mode. And they all just start launching every question they've ever had about the Frozen franchise <laughs> to Anna and Elsa. And so they're asking like, "Hey, where's like, where's Kristoff? And like, where's Hans? Didn't you know Hans was bad from the start? Come on, you know, like, what? How could you? You know? Or they they just but and one of one of my daughter's friends in particular, she was just all about. She's asking about like, "Hey, in Frozen Two, like this person like looked like they kind of died and they kind of died, but then they like didn't die. And what's up with that? Like, why did they die? Like, what what is death? Like, what does it mean? You know, like, and just like, <laughs> super intense questions, and it just." dominated the rest of the conversation for the rest of the birthday party. They're just grilling them nonstop. And I'll tell you, that is exactly what continued in my household for days, right? My daughter, Charlotte, she just continued for the multiple days after. She just, all she was talking about was like... Anna and Elsa, like, they were here, and, like, these things happened. And, like, do you remember when this thing happened? And, like, yeah, like, I still kind of wonder, like, what was up with, like, those little snowmen? Like, what are they about? Like, how do they exist and live? Do they have souls? You know, like, she just, like, is going through all these tangents and thinking through all these pieces. And it was just, it dominated our conversation. To this day, like, once a week, my son, Lawrence, is almost three, was also just absolutely starstruck. Because he had just seen Frozen 2 as well. And he, to this day, about once a week, will ask us to be like, hey, remember, remember Anna, Anna Elsa, come over? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, Charlotte's birthday. Yep. And that's it. Like, that's the whole conversation. I just want you to have a glimpse into my life, right? But that's. It's still just so heavy on their thoughts and minds. And so because of that, it is just still in what we're talking. It still influences what we talk about. We always talk about, we, we, we have conversations about whatever we're thinking about. And so for the shepherds, man, their message was just an overflow of the gospel. And I think the question we have to ask ourselves is, well, what stories are we telling? Right? What questions are we asking as we move into this new semester? What, what are we talking about? What's quick? What, what are we quick to share? Are we quick to share about the things that we saw God do over the break? Are we willing to start spiritual conversations? And what could otherwise just be a surface level, like, it was good. I got this thing. I went that place. What questions are we asking? Are we we inviting people to join us? This is a year, right? This is a time where people are ready for new starts. We're ready for fresh starts. And that's awesome. I think having goals and stuff is so good, so helpful for us. God has designed us to thrive in that kind of, you know, setting goals, making habits, all that kind of stuff. And because of that, man, people are looking for shifting areas of their life. They're, they're open to accepting invitations. Are you inviting them? Hey, man, come to breakaway starts in two days, right? First breakaway of the semester. It's going to be a banger, right? It's going to be nuts. And you can invite. That, is, that quick, is that the invitation that's quick on your lips? Like I said, we're, we're starting our first um, kind of sermon series of the semester next week uh, where we're just looking at the best that God has for us the wisdom that he's laid out in Proverbs, where essentially we, we essentially we find the truth, something that struck me really for the first time when I was studying it over the fall in preparation for this spring, of man, just this incredible truth that, that God wants what's best for us, right? Our desires and the Lord's desires, they are aligned in so many ways. That he's laid out this path in life, this way to skillfully navigate life, not because he thinks it's fun to make us jump through certain hoops, but because he genuinely wants what's best on our behalf so, man, we're looking at how God's wisdom intersects with, with our, our, our friendships, our communities, with our dating relationships, how it intersects with our, the words that we use, the work that we do, the, the, the wealth that we uh, uh, invest, and, and, and the, the time that we spend in this world. Man, we, we have an opportunity right now. To just bring the light of the gospel, the light of the Lord to our day to day conversation. So are we seizing that opportunity? Because man, the the shepherds, as they move forward with this message, what was incredible is that they carried with them the sense of absolute wonder. This is what we see in verse eighteen that all who, were, who heard this news, they were astonished at what the shepherds said. But Mary treasured up all these words and pondering them in her heart as to what they might mean. Literally, the Greek term right here is for astonished. It's, it's this idea that they marveled. In, in other words, it's kind of this, it's this, it's this combination of of being amazed, but also seeking to understand that almost like you're trying to figure it out because it's just so unexpected or it's just so, um, it's so marvelous. It's so incredible that you're trying to like piece it together and figure out how does this affect my life, right? It's, it's the reaction of the people around us, the reaction of Mary herself. They're, they're marveling, they're, they're, they're pondering, they're astounded, they're astonished at what God has done. They have this sense of wonder that I think is often easy for us to lose. It's easy for us to take what is absolutely miraculous and just treat it like it's mundane. And I think that's tragic. But it happens because we will always lose wonder wherever we lose focus. Right? This is just a truth about our lives. That something is so amazing. This relationship is so spectacular. This job opportunity is so incredible. This, this class or this, this pathway or this new idea, this concept, oh, it's so amazing. And yet, you know, we get a week in, two weeks in, we get a few months in, and suddenly this thing that seems so amazing, well, it's not anymore. Why? Because it itself actually became tarnished? Well, probably not. It's probably because we got distracted and we just started looking at other things. And we take these amazing things for granted. I mean, it's, it's easy for us to lose our wonder at the story of Jesus Christ because we lose our focus. When God wants us, man, to be locked in, and when we lock in, man, that, that wonder, it's, it's, incredibly manage, it's incredibly easy, really, to maintain, much like this uh, example from two of my children. <laughs> Nerf guns. A sense of wonder in the Smith home. Why? I don't know, right? It's just what my youngest, Liam, he just is enamored with it. We got this Nerf gun for Christmas, and I'll tell you, if he's paying attention to that gun, he sees you load it, he sees you, like, you know, cock it, and he sees you shoot it, he will laugh hysterically and probably poop just a little bit in his pants (laughs) every single time. Like, this is like 27 takes in, right? Like, this is just, he will over and over and over and over again. But this is what I think is also fascinating. If you're just walking past Liam, and you've got a loaded Nerf gun, you're like, hey, Liam, look, pop, and you just shoot it, and he's not paying attention, he doesn't care. He's like, whatever, I'm a baby. doing baby stuff, I guess. I don't know. He talks a lot. It's weird, right? But that's, that's what... I see play out in my home. And that's what, honestly, I see play out in my own life. If I'm really paying attention to what I need to pay attention to, suddenly I have these moments of clarity where I realize, wow, my wife is incredible. Right? My marriage is such a blessing. I realize, wow, this, my, the role that I get to serve in, the, the job that I've been given is just absolutely phenomenal. Man, the people that I get to work with are spectacular. Man, the, the children that I've been, you know, I just I have these moments Of clarity. And I think it's not because I'm I'm realizing something new. It's because I'm simply focusing my attention back where it belongs. God is saying, I've given you a way to know me when you had no way. I've given you a path to salvation when you had no path. By my grace alone, through faith alone in Christ alone, you can be saved for all of eternity. That's unbelievable. That was the focus of the shepherds. And I would encourage us, man, how how do we maintain that as our focus? Ask ourselves, how, how do we maintain that as our focus? Uh, again, I know Christmas is over, but there is an incredible presentation called The Star of Bethlehem that was created by actually a, a long-standing member here at Grace, getting Rick Larson. And this is super duper. And it's it's something that like he he traveled and, and like presented it for a long time. They eventually put it into a movie because he was just like traveling too much. And so they, they put it together. You can find it uh, like on his website. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it—I think it's even just up on YouTube—and you can watch. Um, just really, it's like an hour long, and it's just it's a cool little presentation over just one little aspect of the Christmas story. It's, it's the astronomy behind the star that, that we see described in, in Scripture, the one that, that brought the wise men to see the, the Christ, to see Jesus. And I mean, it's, it's a simple thing, but it's, it's, it's something that helps me just kind of pause and reflect on the magnitude of who our God is and what he's done. It helps me just be amazed. It helps give me that sense of wonder. So maybe that's something that would be helpful for you. To remember what Christ has done on our behalf. Right? It's not wrong to focus on our, our friendships and our, and our work and our classes. right? Those are good focuses. But man, we, we have to make sure that we are holding at the same time this focus, this realization that, that we have been bought with a price. That Jesus Christ came and lived and died and rose on our behalf. I mean, that is something that's got to be at the forefront of our minds. And then when it is, we have no really other response other than worship. Right? This is what we see at the very end of, of this kind of section on the shepherds in verse 20. It says that the shepherds, so the shepherds returned, and they were glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, everything that is just as they had been told. They returned to their day-to-day life. Man, this is what jumped off the page at me a few weeks ago, that they returned to their day-to-day interactions. They returned to their regular responsibilities. They returned just as we are returning to, to, you know, hard difficulties at work. They're returning to frustrations with family. They're returning to sickness. They're returning to uncertainties about their future. They might be returning to group projects. Chad, right? Like that's, they're doing... Those things, they were returning to the day-to-day struggles of life, just as we are. But in the midst of all of that, they continued to praise the Lord. It absolutely radically altered their attitudes and their actions towards the Lord, towards other people, and towards their purpose in their life. So my challenge for us, my encouragement for us is very simple. That we would return just like the shepherds. That we would return with not just goals, which again, I think are so good. Resolutions, right? Things that we want to accomplish. Awesome but that we would also return with this incredible sense of gratitude. Remembering what God has done on our behalf. Remembering what Christ has accomplished. Remembering that our our day-to-day interactions are not mundane. Remembering that, that the places where we are are not accidental, but that we are in fact put in this place with an extraordinary purpose from the God of the universe. But it takes intentional focus takes intentional thought. And so for some of us, man, maybe, maybe we need to just ask the Lord to help us examine where we're moving. We need to ask the Lord to help us examine, man, what's our message? What are we quick to share? We need to ask the Lord to help us. Man, God, where am I focusing? Where Do I have a sense of wonder about who you are and what you've done? Maybe we ask the Lord, God, can you give me that heart of worship? Can you bring me back to a place where I'm ready to praise you despite the difficulty, despite the pain, things that are legitimate, the suffering that that is is legitimate, that we don't just gloss over, but the suffering that we're willing to hand over to God, saying, ultimately, you're in control. Ultimately, I want to trust you with this day and the next. Ultimately, I want to, to live in the fullness of the freedom of life that's found by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Man, that's, that's my hope for us. So as we move back into worship, man, my, I would ask you just to pray with me and ask the Lord to shift our hearts and minds into this space. God, we we thank you again that you've given us a moment to, to gather, to hear from your word. God, to be reminded of what you've done. God, we don't want to take this gift for granted. Lord, we don't want to just check the Christmas box and move on with our lives. Lord, we want to be people like these shepherds who return, continuing to glorify, continuing to praise you in all that we say and do. So, if you would just take a moment right now and pray to the Lord, maybe confess to him god this is this is a a struggle that I have god I, I feel like i'm I'm not moving in the right direction, or maybe you're confessing god i I'm just my thoughts and attention are just all over the place in all these places that that aren't you, <laughs> or maybe we're confessing to the Lord god i i I just, I take this stuff for granted. Maybe for some of us, we're confessing, God, I, I don't, I've never really held on to this stuff. I've, I've, this has never really been my faith. This has never really been my belief. Others of us, we say, God, I, I, I held it and I've I've kind of just sort of let it go. And as we confess that, man, we can trust that the Lord, he He knew it already. And he is able and willing to perform a new work in our hearts and in our minds. That he's calling us to himself. That this could be the day where we say, God, I, I want to choose to walk in this life that you call me to. God, I want to choose to put my trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. Or God, I want to choose to walk out that faith in an, on a daily basis. But I want to come back to this, this, this place of, of knowing that I'm loved by you, this, this assurance of my place in your family. God, and then this, this, this calling to not just be a disciple, not just to be a follower, but to, in fact, make disciples, to, to help other people find and follow this Jesus who came and lived and died and rose. So, man, I, I don't know where we are. We're all coming from different spots and we're all headed to different places, but, but just take a moment now to reflect, to confess, to ask the Lord to move you forward, to bring about that change. Ask him for that right now.